Hello and welcome to the fifth edition of Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. If you've never listened before, this show is a creative search for inspiration. In every edition, I'll meet up with a different writer to take a journey around their neighbourhood and explore the places, people and communities around them. The things that inspire them as creative thinkers and the makers of great things. This time I went to Sheffield to meet writer Akeem Balogun, who's recently released his debut short story collection, The Storm. Akeem's stories have appeared in Palm Journal, Writing as Resistance, Now Then Magazine and elsewhere. So let's see what we found on a creative search for inspiration in Sheffield. How's it going, buddy? You all right, mate? How's it going? Good to see you, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you've ever been to this side of Sheffield before. Uh, I haven't. I've just no, been to the city centre. I, I was just, I feel like I look like someone who's just going to interview people, <laughs> like, about their thoughts on, oh, like, perhaps. Halloween or something, you know? <laughs> no, 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 good to see you here. Yeah, like It's not too far from the city centre anyway, to be fair. No, no. How you been, though, man? Good way up from Leeds. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's good to have you on. It's good yeah, to have yeah, you yeah. on. I mean, where, where are we going to be going today? Okay, so we're going to... Going to the park. I forgot the demise. The name escapes me. I mean, I had it in my head on my way here, but uh-huh. when I've touched down, I've forgotten. But the moment I see it, I know exactly okay. what it's called. But yeah, so it's, this is the route I usually take. Yeah. When I'm walking from the city centre to my house. It takes about about half an hour. So uh-huh. obviously that's a good excuse to get a lot of steps in. You know, think about a lot of stories and just scheme and plan. For sure. For and, sure. Know, concoct all these crazy plans. Yeah, well, so this is just the route I take. Yeah, yeah. let's kind of see what we spot. I mean, the whole premise of the podcast is kind of mm. just walking around and oh, wow. seeing what inspires us and just mm. chatting about writing, you know. Mm-hmm. So stuff, it's obviously man. like approaching dusk at the minute. Yeah, and it's it is. quite yeah, yeah, yeah. autumnal, obviously. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, let's let's see what we can find. Yeah, yeah. Right, the headphones there. You got the, they new. Uh, well looked after. Reasonably, yeah. Well, yes. reasonably, yeah. T- tell us a bit about your relationship with Sheffield. With you Sheffield. say that you, you kind of grew up in London. Just mm-hmm. let us mm-hmm. know a bit about okay. what you know about so Sheffield. Are we, are we sort of starting now then, or is it? Yeah, well, just kick it <laughs> off. I mean, tell us yeah. a bit, yeah, about you and Sheffield and your relationship with the city. Relationship with the city. So, first came here in 2003. Yeah, family moved there from, um, from Brixton in, in London, of course. So it was me, my twin brother. Uh-huh. My older brothers as well, who were twins too, all came down, lived in the wedges. It was in. It was just before we started, a couple of months before we started year seven, so in the summer holidays. And yeah, that's how I was introduced to Sheffield. It was a lot more. I say the first thing I noticed was um, just how quiet it was compared to Brixton, because Brixton was loud. I bet it was music all the time, and in Sheffield, well in the wedges anyway, at least mm. it was quiet and it was green. I mean, compared to London and Brixton, I mean it was a hell of a lot of trees. There was. <laughs> there was fields okay. everywhere. So big, that was big hills as exactly, well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and that was refreshing to be honest with you. It was, and that's part of the reason why my mum moved because it was a lot calmer, and she just thought it was a lot slower. To be honest, she just liked the name of the place, so that was why she. Um, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she liked the name Sheffield. Yeah, but she hadn't actually been. She just thought it sounded like a that's calm cool. place. And that's cool. Yeah, and don't, don't get me wrong, there are sort of really active areas in um, you know, in in Sheffield, but this is um, yeah. But where we moved to was quite calm, so. Yeah, and then um, going to school here. You know, I know if I stayed in London, I seriously doubt that I would have ended up writing. I doubt it. I couldn't have seen it. I mean, I, I used to read right. back in, um, as a kid back in Brixton, but it was definitely coming to Sheffield, uh, going to school, being encouraged, you know, to sort of pursue English and stuff. That, that sort of um, 
That's just just, just planted the seed of me believing that it's something I could do. Definitely, I, I really doubt I would have done it if I stayed in London. Can't see it happening. That's, so what do you find inspiring about, well, is it kind of where we are right now, like the trees and the kind of, you know, wildlife around? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, more, I think it's more the calmness, you know, if I'm honest, Steve. I think it's more, you can find quite a few calm places which you definitely wouldn't be able to get back in Brixton. No? Yeah, oh, London. It feels what like it? you just turn a corner and it, it does it. feel still, more still than exactly. where we were when we met. I know? always see more foxes than people than this particular, just through this route of the park and you don't even, to be honest, it's kind of weird, you don't see many people at all. I mean, not even many joggers, it's a sort of odd, I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, but it's always a good, I always take this route if I'm heading back home. And I mean, I've been, I've walked through here at all times of the day, 6am, 2am, 3am and most of the time. It's completely quiet. I'm saying that now, watching an army of people just come, <laughs> just come rushing through. But yeah, it's just, it's just a sweet space. And this is, um, I mean, when you ask, is there anyone in particular? Well, I kind of, well, while I'm moving and I sort of allow ideas to marinate. Mm. So you've been through here when it's been pitch black before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even, because I'm not sure after that, wait, I think the lampposts have been, they've been fixed but for a long time. They weren't working, so it was literally just uh -huh. a bit spooky to be honest because you see the foxes. And all yeah, that. it actually, it's reminded me. <laughs> I, I used to live in Glasgow and okay, Kelvin cool. Grove Park in the mm. sort of West End. And they, there's no street lights in there. It's just pitch black at night. Mm. And it's not recommended that you walk through at night. It's just <laughs> dark, but like it's such a shortcut. It cuts yeah. out like 20 minutes sometimes. So I, I yeah. used to climb over and went go through the park. Climb and I remember it. once, <laughs> and I'm kind of like thinking about it as we approach the corner of this path that's just covered in leaves that have fallen mm. of all colors. Um, mm. Yeah, and I remember walking in the pitch black, just kind of looking down like thinking you know i just need to stay on the path here <laughs> yeah. and I, all i saw in the distance was the end of a cigarette someone was smoking Ooh. like just a tiny bit of amber that was moving obviously i couldn't see who was smoking it was that dark like and it's kind of reminded me of that here i can i mean i know there are lights here they're not on yet but yeah can be can be quite spooky and yeah. it is a bit of a risk to take it is yeah but it, it can is. get you yeah, Your heart going a bit. And like I said, it's always been, most of the time, it's like, it's just me and you walking through. You know, I think there's, I think there's a, maybe just a bit more wildlife since lockdown. I've seen a lot more. Yeah, you know, definitely. Sparrows and magpies and stuff, you know, so maybe. Are you more conscious of in. that? Yeah, think? yeah, around this area, like in my, um, in my garden, I've seen a few more hedgehogs. You know, cats are always there. I've seen a badger. I've seen, um, obviously, the wood pigeons, the magpies, the sparrows. I've seen... Just to even, even just, just even in my backyard. We've kind of been doing this show out and about, and we have come to parks and we've gone out into woods and forests and stuff. And mm. the trees have kind of been in full bloom when we've been out. Obviously now oh, the leaves are shedding a bit, and yeah. you kind of look up and and you kind of you can imagine them as as characters kind of banding together, you know, almost exactly, like a yeah. tree can be a, a symbol of kind of strength and resilience, yeah, yeah, yeah. can't yeah. it? And they might kind of look at each other and see how each other's coping <laughs> with the situation, you know, with the cold in this case, you know, and some trees are leaving, losing their leaves more than others. And yeah, precisely. I know before, um, in the sort of middle of lockdown, we'll oh. take that path through there as well, it's quite, it's, just, quite, it's quite cool. I'm just going to look at this, this yeah, engraving on the wood here, what does oh. this say? The crumble. The, the crumble garden, the crumble garden. And we've got Bob over there, grafting to the... 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these, these are the residents. Yeah, man. Yeah, inside. it is. It's. I mean, it's just a path that we've taken, and we've kind of walked past a, a tree with an engraving there, and then a few stones that are laid out like they might be seats. You know, that people might sit on. Someone's just written Bob on one. So if we take this left hair. Yeah. I, I kind of like that they haven't just blown all the leaves off the ground yeah. as well. You can kind of feel the terrain's changing mm, as mm. the year's changing. And I think yeah. you're supposed to feel that, right? You know. Exactly, yeah. And I remember in the, in the middle of lockdown, you know, before um, some of the vegetation had been cut down, it was completely, it was dense. I mean, it was, the sort of um, plants or whatever were just almost reaching out. You have to sort of... Reclaiming yeah, yeah, what's exactly. theirs, you know. It was that because they'd been untouched for months and... But it was a good experience waking up in the morning and just going through this thick, you know, trail full of um, full of greenery. But so when it when it all got cut down, you were you was a bit a bit saddened, but you know, you just, you just yeah. got used to it. So. so how do you kind of do you write, you know, when do you get inspired when you were walking out in the country, or do you kind of get inspired when you sat at a desk writing, like? What, what, where do you go when you are searching for inspiration? Uh, it's almost like the sort of walking, the walking side, and, or, or the travelling even. That's more just why I sort of um, refine ideas that I've usually thought of at home or which have just sparked up in my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unless I sort of, for me anyway, the way I kind of uh, put stories together, I have to kind of, um, I don't want to say force it, but I have to intentionally make it happen. So if we're walking along this path now, and I think to myself, well, I want to write um, a really short story. That's only a few hundred words. I have to think of a stem mm. of an idea, like plant, plant the seeds yeah. in my own mind like if you want. And then, maybe later on when I'm walking through a path like this, can revisit that seed and you know start to water it and make it an idea, if you know what I mean. So the sort of actual idea for stories don't come while I'm walking up and down. They're usually just made at home. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm just when I'm just sitting in, in my room, I just think I want to write something it's an interesting entertaining. Metaphor. Mm. I mean, I know that yeah, planting a seed. It, heard that before. Like, so you know, the the tree flourishes when you've written the story, right? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. like, when does it stop being yours? And when does it? What, what happens after it flourishes? So a story. Uh, what happens? Do you think? I think uh, I'd say well, sort of. You know, like anyone does. I mould it into shape. You know, so I think it's at a point where my sort of intention is easily, um, mm -hmm. I don't want to say picked up on, but just easily understood or just easily... Interpreted. Yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. And then once I've got that, it's almost like one or two set readers will I have go through a story first and then I'll go back to it after I've had their feedback. Okay. And then I'll um, let it marinate for a bit. It's getting a bit hilly now. But I'll, I'll let it marinate for a bit and then... Um, that's yeah. the yeah. Then, return, yeah. <laughs> then return to it, make a few tweaks, and then um, think about sharing it out of the world. I'm interested in that. Do you think, do you respond to how people have interpreted your work and factor that into revising a story or...? Oh, yeah. So you, you bounce off readers in a way? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah? I mean, I'm one of those writers who really sort of write to be... I don't want to say understood because everyone's got a different interpretation of a story. But more just, um, I just sort of, I'm also sort of right, so readers have, a, have an easy time taking it all in. Because I don't, even if you might read a story and then think it's about something entirely different to what I thought, as long as it wasn't hard for you to digest, I'm happy. Okay. If you know, I mean, that's sort of the, um, 
that's all the aim for me. So it's um yeah, yeah, so that, that that's 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 so when it comes to getting readers' feedback and whatnot, the reason why I find that important is because it's not so much um what they took from the story. I'm more concerned about how easy it was for them yeah. to understand. As an experience. Yeah, exactly, yeah, because yeah, I want it to kind of just be like a a seamless kind of journey. Even, yeah. if, even if you end up somewhere completely different. I mean I had someone read a story from the book that was written in um, in voicemails and he almost got the vibe of zombies from it, which is I think absolutely uh, <laughs> which that's is the one from the collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one from the collection. That's it, yeah, Mark Popular, which I thought was, you know, insane, but but he really enjoyed the story, so like how that. he got there, I'm you know I'm fine I'm fine with that, but as long as he had a sort of smooth time mm. getting to that kind of conclusion. I like the the format of that one. I like literature mm. that deconstructs the yeah, long yeah. form format, which exactly, works. Like yeah. which works, but it's nice to just bring different it's, approach. It's refreshing, yeah. And another one that you did was uh, texts, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, nothing too serious. That was all Tony text messages. That one, yeah, it was that one as well, which was really popular. And I think, and I think, um, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's um, it's not too hard to think of a a unique way of telling a story. But because, like you said, that mm. long form way is so ingrained in people I think writing in a kind of um, almost kind of like a left field way but making sure that it's as easy to follow as you know the sort of traditional method which is just a long yeah. plain story I think that's the challenge so let's say me and you wanted to write I don't know a, a story told in scratchings on the wall or something like that then okay that's a cool idea but can you make it as easy to understand as reading just yeah. like a page of text yeah, yeah, I like that. You've got to put the reader first in a yeah, way. And yeah. you know, sometimes you've got to put yourself first, but mm. yeah, you, you want them to have a, to be able to understand it and digest it. Yeah, like. precisely. I mean, definitely for me, I think that's, that's definitely a big, big, um, that's, that's a big part for me because the whole point, the whole point of the, um, a large, probably 80% of the reason why I write is because I always thought, I always wanted, you know, people I know, or people I knew even, to read my stories and just be able to immediately enjoy it and some 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 stories are good because they are challenging mm. but i've never really wanted mine to be like that. i've always wanted to be extremely i mean i've always you know dreamt of not even dreamt but always imagine that if an 11 year old picked up my my book or someone new to english they could still pretty much get the eye the gist of what i'm trying to say yeah and don't get me wrong i love some books that are absolutely challenging but i wouldn't i wouldn't write like that what akeem's saying is right but it took me a long time to learn this lesson Writing is not about being showy. It's not about using long words and flowery descriptions, unless of course they align with the subject and theme. It's about writing in a way to convey your meaning effectively to the reader. Simple words will often do. When it comes to short stories in particular, there are better ways of testing and challenging your readers than by using inaccessible language. I'm just noticing um, as we are kind of the transition between day and night, just the different lights that we see, so there's, there's some new street lights here that just kind of light up what's beneath them as a spotlight, as if that's, that's something to bring your attention to, as if it was like a little spotlight above a picture or something for me. And then there's the lights of people's homes that have just gone on, people cooking meals. Then there's the lights of cars driving past. So just, just perceiving like different lights and what they mean and what they, the moods that they create, I suppose just thoughts that are coming to me right now yeah so, so it's all along the trail these are the kind of stuff you pick up on right yeah. used to be two swings there it's just one <laughs> just one string one swing on a 
to uh, what should be two there, right? Yeah. yeah just one, yeah. I wonder what, what the story is there. I think, well, one got wrapped up. Um, I think they both got tied together during lockdown, so people couldn't use them. Oh, it was recently? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, somewhere along the line, one of them's been pulled so off. So there's just now. one swing there now. So that's, that seems a shame. Yeah, I can imagine, like, you know, parents coming here with two kids. Yeah. And only one, you know, they're fighting over who gets to swing saying when that, previously they could both yeah, have done that. Saying that, I have seen one parent just swing while holding their child and just... <laughs> No, there's something poetic there. There's something poetic. Like something made for two. Mm. No, it's just for one. You know, you could, you know, cliche relationship mm. thing maybe. Mm. Could be an image that you bring into a story about a yeah, failed yeah, yeah. relationship. Yeah. My perception of being here is is kind of. It, it feels like you're in a bowl or something, just because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, is it Seven Hills or something? Yeah, it's in Seven Hills. Like, yeah. yeah. And you can see anyway, look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of them super steep as well. You, I, I sometimes feel sorry seeing cars go up them, you know? Like, My driving instructor used to hate picking me up. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, are you at the top? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, at the, I'm way up there. I mean, That's it's, good. Uh, it's, it's good. It's good for fitness, I guess. You prefer being it's... at the top of a hill or at the bottom? I mean, the views are good at the top. So, I mean, sometimes, I mean, when I used to walk to uni, um, oh, sorry, not when I used to walk in the direction towards university at night, you get a really good view of Sheffield, really good view. And if you're going up towards Crooks, you get an even better view but the pain is having to walk up the hill yes yeah. the but then it makes you appreciate getting home i imagine <laughs> like and then you can put your feet up like someone who didn't have to walk up a hill exactly yeah yeah so the pay the payoff's a bit more and, but you know but when you're bringing them i don't know people haven't visited your home before you know they just they look at you and they think jesus it's just it's just a pain in the ass for them to walk up it ain't it it's a bit it's, it's difficult so um, i always warn people if they've never been to my house before like, look there's going to be a hill. And they're like, Akeem, it's fine. Stop moaning. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, my God. this." <laughs> so right, that's Sheffield for you, though. That's, um... Yeah. Well, tell me what you've been working on recently, then. At a minute. So, as you know, you've, read, you know you've, you've got the book and just working on, you know, trying to get that out to as many people as possible. So, um, sorry, as many people as possible. And, um, you know, big thanks to all of the McCappy Books team. But outside of that... I'm kind of like a one person, uh, one thing at a time person. I'm not usually working on multiple things at the same time. But I'm just working on um, a long-form story, if you want, a novel, if you want, but cool. told in a kind of um, unorthodox way. And that just looks at the, um, the birth of a fictional subculture. Yeah, it follows right, that. Yeah, right. it's, it's the type of thing you'd enjoy, Steve, I think. Definitely, because it sure. is kind of, it's definitely sort of written for him. Um, uh, well, male readers aren't really big. There's not. They're, they're, they're definitely on a decline at the minute, especially male readers under like 35 and 40. So yeah. it's not written for them, but it's something that I think a lot of them would enjoy. It's more of you know maybe a sort of boyish kind of orientated book, but I think everyone would love it because it follows the birth of a fictional, mostly male kind of a so, subculture. Uh, but it's told from three different perspectives, one of them being a woman as well. Right, I like the sound of that. Like, how's mm. the experience going of of kind of releasing? one thing while working on another like what is your attention with the kind of book the storm the collection of mm. short stories that you've mm. produced is your attention kind of with that because that's kind of out there now and that's launched mm. or is is it with this new work like where where do you find your creative energy it's is? definitely more of the new work because now that the, the actual collection the storm is finished that's just more of me doing you know public relations marketing small bits of promo that's you know sort of within our capacity and it's, i think it's easily to separate that but it's just a bit time consuming yeah and you know all the sort of creative energy if you want i can easily just focus that into the um 
until you know, the, the new story that I'm working on. I find, I find it quite easy to separate. But as long as I'm doing, I think, I think it's, for me, it gets a bit difficult if I'm working on two, not difficult, but a bit strenuous mm. if I'm working on two creative things mm. at the same time. If I'm working on just one creative project, then I can, I can manage it. And then, because doing promo for the storm or whatever, it's not, that's not really creative. I guess a, just, a novel takes a quite a lot of discipline, I imagine, because yeah. you probably get new ideas as you're writing this. Oh thing. yeah, you do. Yeah, I mean, literally, while I'm walking through this park, I'm imagining the characters <laughs> thinking, "This would be great if this happened. This would be great if that happened." Like what? Like, like what? What are you? Um, I think just making the characters more real. Just uh -huh. making them so when you're doing, because I want them to be unrealistic, but realistically unrealistic. So even though when you do, I mean, one of the characters is called Vincent, and you know, once you kind of read, I mean, the, the times he does pop up in the book, I want him to kind of feel not like a person you know, but a kind of person that you know could easily exist, but who you definitely haven't met before, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, so I see, yeah. Yeah, so all the characters who were like within that subculture, I want them to feel extremely wrong. You can just, you can just about grasp them. You feel like you can just about hold on to them, but they might be similar to people you know, but they, they're just not, they're not exactly like anyone you've met. Because because again, a subculture is, you know, relatively a small amount of people who have shared, you know, ideas mm -hmm. and fashions and tastes and, and music. Do, do you write based on people that you know? Or um, is, is each character you create a medley of different people you've ever met? I say more the second thing you said, more of a medley, but right. like if I was about to write a character about you, I'd, you know, sort of take, you know, your whole existence if you want yeah. but I'd, I'd sort of um, turn it inside out try and make it you know twist it in different ways so it's not like you but it's yeah. it's like almost like an alternate alternate version of you if you know what I mean so it yeah, wouldn't be cool. yeah so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Steve it'd be a sort of inverted version <laughs> I, I'm interested <laughs> in that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so no, I don't think any of the characters I've written have been exactly like someone I know and if they have been inspired by anyone real I've I almost do my best to make it almost like a complete different version. And, and do you keep it from that person? Uh, or do they kind of... Yeah, yeah, I probably do, but I've, I haven't done I've, I haven't really done that. I haven't done it often. Usually I'd think of a fictional character, but to make him seem more realistic, I'll just take events and experiences that other people have been through or that I've been through, just to give them that, yeah. you know, more realistic feel or have them do something that I know someone else has done rather than it make them entirely like, like someone else. Hey. Nice little spot. There's, it's the same thing happened, right? Yeah. There's like one swing when there should be two <laughs> on both things. Does that seem right? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it looks like they've removed another swing and just determined to just make swinging a, a solo experience <laughs> here, you know. Which is because kids aren't going to listen anyway. That, 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 that is an image that's pushing itself on us, I feel, it is, today. It is. Or, or whether we're just more per perceptive about it. Cause exactly. you I, I didn't know it's those two, to be honest. I only noticed the other one, but now that you're pointing that out. Yeah, I wonder what else that we could spot potentially that, mm. that kind of is is meant is a frame that is supposed to have two things on it that just has one thing on it exactly. for whatever reason. Like, yeah, back back to what you were saying about characters. Uh, I think it's important to write about what you know, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like yeah. primarily, you want it to yeah. be, you want it to keep it real, don't you? You know. Yeah, yeah. So, but then sometimes it's quite it's quite difficult when you've written something and then people close to you are reading something and they're mm. reading it sometimes as a bit of a memoir or a journal of yours yeah, and not yeah. as a work of literature that you've created mm. as a reader who didn't know you personally yeah. might might think yeah. of it as yeah so yes yeah, it can be tricky i think getting feedback from people who are too close to you sometimes exactly yeah it is no, no, that's true and i think that's why is again this is the benefit of things like writing groups and 
having someone like you know in a, in a literary consultancy look at it because they've got that distance and they can mm. you know sort of um maybe kind of almost because sometimes from a distance you can better see what someone's trying to do and if you're too mm. close to them you might not be able to see you might miss certain things for instance and what you said about writing what you know i think it's you know i mean you've got plenty of people who write about you know the outer space obviously they've never been there but i think the way they make it work is by having you know experiences the characters go through or things that happen come from a real place mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if me and you are writing about i don't know us going on a crazy adventure which we've never done mm. you can still kind of like almost like you said make it feel grounded by having them go through emotions that you've experienced and stuff so even though the whole setting is completely unrealistic it feels real because of what's happening and are you in control of that? that? Oh, yeah, with me, I'm, I'm very conscious in, in what I'm, when it comes to the way I write. I think it's very rare that something pops up that I didn't, that I didn't expect or, okay. you know, forcibly kind of um, put yeah. in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it does happen, but not often. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite conscious of it all. Okay, no, that's, that's good. I, th I think it's kind of, I, I kind of let it take over me, I think. But you're writing um, more poetry, though, aren't you? Or do you are you in fiction that often? Well, I, short stories actually was what I did primarily before oh, okay. I discovered spoken word and slam poetry and stuff. All oh, right, cool. And cool. then I, I really, you know, really enjoyed performing mm. uh, my work, which which you can do, I guess, with short stories, but not in it, the same way as poetry, definitely. Yeah, not. there weren't <laughs> many regular events. And, so yeah, but uh, that is my my where my heart is really in mm. writing short stories oh, that are cool. designed not to be performed, that are just designed to be read ah, by okay. like one other person rather than a, a room full of people listening to you, you know. So our creative ramble was quickly becoming a chat about process and inspiration between two writers. Akeem brought up a story I wrote as part of the Street Stories project, which found fiction delivered back in August. As part of the project. We displayed short stories in public spaces across Quarry Hill in Leeds. And listening back to this part of our conversation, it sounds like Akeem has become the interviewer, as we learn more about each other's writing processes. The story we talk about was this. Back of the bus. On the journey home, as he was being pelted with crisps, coins and orange peel, he promised himself that he'd someday graduate to the back of the bus. Like the what? one you did for the bus, that was well good. The one that you put on the, um, or oh, the one that you written, I think, or was it about a bus with someone? I think I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was part, I think it was part of fan fiction where you were doing these um, little yeah, 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 yeah. texts. Yeah, and I think it was one where the dude said one day he'd graduate to the back of the bus. Oh, right, yeah, that was, that's right, that, that was this year. We yeah, did yeah. super short stories. Yeah, was that one you did? Printed out. That's one that I did, yeah. that yeah. was well good. I mean, I mean, graduate to the back <laughs> of the bus. You know, like the back of the bus. That's where you, that's where the role models, or the, the kind, well, the harder kids sit, isn't it, you know? Yeah, it was well good. And but again, that was more, that was a short story, that wasn't it? It was lots of fun. Message. Yeah, lots of fun. Sometimes um, you just overhear things. Like, I think I'd overheard that. Okay. Or maybe it was a song or something, but that it was kind of borrowed to an extent, like little lines like that. I've got a little notebook, like, or just on my phone, like where yeah. I just make notes of lines that I feel I'll definitely use someday. You know, yeah. not not yeah. always other people's, but sometimes sometimes just an image. Like I might write down later when I get back mm. about the swing thing. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and something like that. You know, so, so that's so that's where that story came from. Then that's that one about the. Um the bus. Yeah, yeah, was it just a line you had? It was, kind of I think, yeah, it, it kind of was actually, yeah, I'd, I'd already had it 
I'd already written down that. I hadn't like made it into what it ended up being, but okay. the spark had been there. Like I feel like when you do get sparks like that, and you yeah. know that you're gonna make a note of something that inspires you. Like yeah. I always record that, and then when I have time, you know, that or I have a reason to use them. That's when I. That's when it comes in useful to have a book of ready-made. Exactly. Yeah. But how 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 long was it? Because you not know it's a small piece. Because I think one of the most challenging things to do in stories is write something that isn't cheesily funny. That's quite, um, that's humorous, but almost <laughs> kind of feels unintentionally humorous. Like one of my favorite authors, Tabor Fisher, that's what he does. I mean, I think he's one of the best at it. He just writes almost like, not, I don't want to say dry fiction, but it's almost fiction and you read it and it's almost like he's, he's not trying, it's almost like he's not trying to be funny, right. but it comes out extremely funny. And that story you wrote, the one at the back of the bus, it felt like that. So and that's something I've always kind of struggled to do, but that I've wished cool, cool. I could do pretty often. So that one you wrote, was that, was that difficult to turn it into what it was, or was it just a quick, you know, a quick scribble well, and boom, it was there? It was, well, I think a lot of those short ones were, um, were kind of, I think because it was quite unique, obviously we've collaborated on projects where yeah. there have been deadlines and yeah. there's, been, there's been a need to write quickly, really. So, yeah, I think it was done in a, a couple of days, and I did cool. more as well in that time. But Well, did you share all of them? Because I think that was... Oh, we, so have, you, have you still got some of them kept to well, yourself? Or? Yeah, well, they're all, they were all out there. The project's over now, hmm. but uh, some people kept them up. So I think what I haven't done yet is actually bring them all together, publish them online, like images of them. Okay. Um, so I'll do that, I think. And yeah, then but was that, was that the only... I mean, did you write any other pieces? Oh, any other yeah. small bits that you kept to yourself? Have you got any more like ah, that in the bank? Or? Oh, yeah. Well, can't, yeah, I do. Like, on this, on this tab, you know. Yeah. I've, yeah, but there's just stuff happening all the time. Like, I'm, I'm just writing probably unexpectedly sometimes. Sometimes I find myself just like, oh, I've got to just get this written and I'll yeah. use it for something. I don't know you what. Back to it, yeah. You know, I feel like I'd, I'd really suck at writing a novel. I really, <laughs> really do. Because I feel like, you know, I, I want to do that. That is something I want to do in my life. But what kind point. of novel would you want to write? Would you want it to be... I don't want to say bog standard, but your kind of traditional long form. No, just bog standard. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like a good novel, obviously, but yeah, long form. Uh, yeah, but long is, there, form. is there anything you'd want to do with the form? Would you want to just keep it this kind of traditional segment into, into chapters, or would you want to do? Would you want to play around with it a bit? Or that's what I don't know. I'd want to write for uh, readers rather than critics. Mm. You know, I feel like people do that. People write for critics. Oh, they, yeah. they try and. Especially do the new little. deconstructing thing and yeah, I've read yeah. a lot of books that have been amazing and mind-blowing yeah. what people do like I've read books where post-modern literature where they, they write uh, like a whole sentence goes on for pages yeah. and pages and no full <laughs> yeah, stop yeah, yeah. or yeah. there's no punctuation sometimes or there's footnotes yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very like deconstructive which yeah. I, I get and works yeah I, I, but it's not all be accessible sometimes. No, I, I think I'd I think I'd bring that in in flashes within yeah. a, a within a, a broadly oh, okay. conventional novel. Rather than making that the, making that the heart of the form. Yeah, want. I think I'd bring it in. Like I'd probably what I really liked actually. There's this series on Prime actually, Tales called? from the Loop. It's called, mm -hmm. and it's a book, and that is amazing. It's like a coffee table style book. Okay. Um, but it's it's like a, a novel, but it's composed. It's about this fictional Scandinavian society and the, the stories are told in different formats. Like some of them are like interviews in an employee magazine. Oh, right. Some are like receipts and stuff. Okay. Some are reports about the area and it's like a mixture of fake 
non-fiction, fictional mm. non-fiction. About, I yeah. like that, yeah, so and okay. That works, because that, that's kind of clever, but, you know, it's easy to read and it's not gimmicky, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. not, And it, it works because it suits the story. Um, I think, like, when it doesn't work is where someone's just, like, think, thinks to themselves, oh, this format will be cool, and they use it regardless of the story. Yeah, that's, a, that's very important. That's a really good point, that. That's a very good observation. Well, let's uh, have a look at what we're walking past. Slightly out of breath because of the hills, I thought it was fit. <laughs> Not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, is this a, a sort of peeling paint behind? So we've got a wall with uh, thick paint that's peeling away, and it kind of looks like... It could be map of the world or something. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Just the way it's peeled away and it's like, it, it looks like the edges of countries almost. And it you does. can kind of see lakes in them and yeah, no, that's, I mean, yeah, obviously it's I've not. I've never really spread. I'm not even too sure what's behind it will be someone's house. Because there is a bit of street art here, but yeah, just it's part, part of the paint that's peeling off is, is street art by the looks of it. So it's, but it's by peeling itself away, it's revealing like a, Cool little pattern as well, just inadvertently. I like that. Yeah. And then let's have a just peek, peek through. This is like a, what like might a, have been a doorway. Yeah, it's just like an encasement. It's not. Yeah, what can? It's just what, more trees inside it. It's odd. Yeah, there's, there's like, yeah, trees growing through this fence. That uh, we're just through a kind of wire fence here. Mm. There's lots of just miscellaneous items here. Is that a printer or something? <laughs> it looks like. It. And a tire. There's lots of little trinkets here that, you know, have stories of their own about how they came to be. Obviously, there's just litter as well, but there's like random things like, like, like a printer, like a container with a measure on the side of it. I don't know if that's from a car or something. I think that's a jerry can that might fill up a car. Yeah, I think like it's, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I'm curious about everything really and just how uh, just items came to be and mm. the effort that, some the, the effort that goes into creating everything that you see in the world and then mm. just where those items end up sometimes and the stories of their existence you know it's endless well I, but, um, just going back to what you said about um, obviously you wanting to write kind of like a novel maybe just have splashes of that deconstruction yeah. rather than making it the entire story. And yeah. what was the name of the show again? The Till, did you say? What was it called? The one on um Tales from the Tales, Loop. Tales from the Loop, sorry, Tales from the Loop. Yeah, Tales from the Loop. Yeah. It's it's like a yeah, like a coffee table book and it I think I just treated myself to it. It was uh it, it was like twenty quid I think as well. Mm -hmm. But like yeah, it, it's got really nice imagery as well and it's like um it's a coffee table book because it's it's like pretending to be non fiction, you know. Yeah. But it's obviously a fictional story, so, okay. it, so, so that's wait, an so example wait. of a format that that makes sense for it. Oh, you know? Okay, so you're thinking, if ever, if it's ever, if ever a time does come where you do write a kind of long form story or novel, yeah. you want to have sort of cool fitting yeah. approaches like that. Well, I, I think like the deconstructive and different formats and just playing around like that makes sense in itself because I feel like life's more complicated than a beginning, middle and oh, end. Oh yeah, no, exactly, it, right? yeah, because I was listening to, um, I think it might have been a Sally Rooney interview because you know she's who, she wrote Normal People in Conversation yeah, with Friends yeah. and everyone kept telling me for months I need to read this book because the writing is just like mine and I did I did read it in the end. Right. And she is quite minimal, you know, maybe maybe more so than I am, but I could actually see why um, our, our stories are wildly different, but I guess the sort of way they're told and the kind of, almost kind of bleached kind of writing is it's you like it? Similar. Yeah, I like the writing more than anything. I think she's. I think she's a, 
an amazing writer, okay. in my opinion. But yeah, it's um, with the. But I think I was watching an interview after I finished reading the book. So I think I thought, let me just see, because she's a similar age to myself. I think she's late twenties or maybe just hitting really? thirty. And she does in in the interview. She mentioned one thing that I'd always kind of thought about, but never really said. And it was that um, how the novel itself, the actual kind of form, is almost kind of dated. Well, not dated, but almost like the purpose behind it and the reason why we have the novel is almost from like a past time, even though she just written a box standard novel. So I thought that was almost, um, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so even though she had that, that, uh, that seed of, a, of an idea in her head mm. or, or even just a bit of fact, if you want, like the actual form itself. Depends, might... depends how you want the reader to feel in a way. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, feel, I, I don't personally feel like the form is dated, but I like what she said that, that mm. she had that observation. And so, because I've always thought to myself, um, like, why does a story have to be, or why do popular novels even, like, why does it have to be one kind of long story segmented yeah. into chapters? And that's kind of like, almost like the goal a lot of writers have to strive for. Like you said, yeah. you yourself would want to write a novel in that particular way. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of writers out there who have done stuff completely outside of the box. But I almost think it's, um, I've, I've always enjoyed, I don't think I can ever see myself writing a kind of regular long form okay. novel. It'd have to be something about right. it that makes it like even this. Um, like the new, like new one. Yeah, even the one I'm working on now. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but there's almost in between each sequence, if you want, I've included like a cool kind of way of giving you a perspective of the characters on the outside world to kind of, to kind of cut it up. So you would have your kind of, I don't know, 20, 30 pages of regular text, but there'd be like five, five or six pages in between, almost like intervals. Yeah. Intermissions, if you want, giving you, but it's, but, but that's still fitting with the story because I don't think I could just sit down and just write. I, just, I don't, I don't say I find mm. it boring, but mm. I just think, you know, most novels are like that, and I think it's just refreshing for people to, um, to kind of do stuff that isn't that isn't too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That isn't too cerebral, if you want. That isn't too, you know, I don't know, self-absorbed. I just caught a glimpse of as it's kind of descending in tonight. Mm. The, the, there's this house opposite side of the street to where we're stood right now with kind of really cozy amber lights and there's a guy just smoking I think on his balcony it silhouette like a mannequin. it's like that's quite filmic isn't it? it I don't know it's there's something a bit quite I don't know iconic about that yeah, yeah. Um, looks like the front cover of him George's and he's gone back in now because he probably <laughs> a bit freaked out but I'm just kind of commenting this whole thing looks like the cover of George's um, George's Perec I think um, I'm not sure yeah. how you say his name, but he's got a novel called him Life of User's Manual. And it's like pieces of a puzzle. It and, is, isn't it? Yeah, and, hey, got, like and, and each puzzle's got like a different image on it. And you've so, got... So the window's lit up. Yeah. They, they're kind of like a jigsaw. I like that. You mean, you mean like a jigsaw puzzle yeah, that, yeah. that can be, that can tessellate. Exactly. And it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And you've, your role as a writer is to unify it in some way, Precisely. to shape it, to shape these windows yeah. of characters that we Yeah, or to thought. show people, like you mentioned before about items having stories, to show people the stories behind each each window. Hey, that's way. amazing, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah so. I like that. And yeah, each window kind of represents a mood or a character. Exactly, or, a whole life even. Because that's mm. what they are really, isn't it? Everyone's different in these rooms. Yeah, and each room is has a different function and a different role to play as well. And you know, there, there could be some drama that happens in someone's mm. kitchen, or some people could meet. You know, some kind of lovers could meet in mm. the foyer or whatever. You know, it's 
Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. a puzzle. I love that. I love you that. Get a good view of the city here as well to your left. This is well. cool. The cityscape yeah, just really, lit really up really at night. Good. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a really nice night as well. It's not too windy or cold. You know, I could yeah. I could get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's decent. It's decent. So this was a truly beautiful and mesmerising image of this apartment building with each window lit up in a slightly different way. I kind of saw it as a metaphor for what is our mission as writers, to connect these windows, to connect the mood of the rooms behind them and to pry inside at the stories of the people who live inside them and what they might represent. It reminded me of a segment from The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon. Sometimes, down on the subway, a train Maxine's riding on will slowly be overtaken by a local or an express on the other track, and in the darkness of the tunnel, as the windows of the other train move slowly past, the lighted panels appear one by one like a series of fortune-telling cards being dealt and slid in front of her. And it looks like a full moon and we're Halloween as well today, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I can never tell when it's a full moon or whether there's another... 28th of it to go or whatever <laughs> but it does look full and look nice and sort it's of yellow cold, isn't it yes it's quarter yeah. time hasn't it kind of <laughs> matches the in, inside of people's homes kind perfectly, of lit up in the yeah. same shade perfectly you can just imagine batman batman silhouette yeah <laughs> like the guy earlier the silhouette yeah <laughs> this is a cool time to be out actually i don't it feel is. like people go out at dusk obviously for good reason in some cases <laughs> but yeah like you know, it is a cool time when it's, it can be, it's really quiet. We, I think we've only passed a couple of people know, since yeah, we've been out. Have, yeah, I don't know how we've managed to barely see anyone, you know, for this long. But it's like you said, it's been, it's been a pleasant walk. But yeah, these are the sort of paths I take. And I've got a few friends who live near here. And, you know, I might, I might meet, well, lockdown and COVID, but before then... There's an announcement right now, apparently, <laughs> yeah, at the end of this. It's happening, yeah, I've heard about it. I, I don't have a clue what you're saying, <laughs> but I know it's important. <laughs> we'll find out, yeah, yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out there's a pumpkin there. Oh, so right. still so people are still trick-or-treating, I mean. And people are still taking the <laughs> treats, fine. <laughs> what, have you, what have you gone for there? We've gone for, uh, what have we got? Just, uh, yeah, just oh, a like a sherbet lolly yeah, thing, that's yeah. It, that's it. That's it. That'll just take you right back to, yeah, it'll like take even, me right back. walking through these paths here, I remember um, almost maybe two years ago when I was with a friend called uh, Utah, and we were, I think we were, we were heading to tram lines or something. I'm not oh, yeah. too sure, yeah, but we part we passed through here and again it was a similar a similar kind of night, similar kind of time. And uh, well actually it would have been later on because it was it was in the summer, but it was just a similar kind of um just the shade and stuff was quite similar to this. So because I've lived there for quite a while now, or in Walkley and just around this area. So yeah, I've got I've got a lot of um you know, just uh, I won't say amazing memories, but just small pockets of um yeah. good picturesque experiences. Yeah is the best way to describe it. And, I could, and you always get good views and just Passing through here. Yeah. Because we're actually back at the, um, you know, for the this is where we, started. where we started. And it doesn't even feel like that when you're. No, no, up. no, that's right. It's, it's just nice, quiet suburbs, isn't it? It, really? is, it is really quiet, isn't it? Like, it's, it's <laughs> and that's what I like about when we've been doing episodes of Look Closer, you know, yeah. this podcast. We've been in the middle of Manchester, we've been in rural parts of West Yorkshire, and, mm. and now, yeah, just in the suburbs as well. Really, inspiration to be found. Everywhere, you know, that's something I passionately believe. It feels like, yeah, the, the sky's a lot of different colours as well. Yeah, as it, is, yeah. it is going darker, you can see different nuances of, like, mm. navy and blue. And 
and then at the other side it's it's just it pretty much is dark it's just yeah sometimes you think of the sky as just what the same color but no there's lots lots going on yeah, up there precisely what you say. it's a good path man i mean even you just being here you know we've explored all different kinds of ideas so swings know, exactly yeah exactly so this is just how it is um, jigsaw kind of, that's the, something i'll uh, silhouettes and, and all of that so so this, these are just the experiences I have. Just walking yeah. through and around the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia Trail, which is kind of surrounded by Upper Fork, Walkley, and um, and it's quiet. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. It's always mostly it's, it's, uh, it's mostly quiet, and that's why I like taking taking the trail. I mean, isn't it amazing being a writer and just being able to be inspired wherever you are? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just a gift, isn't it? Because it can really help you out. And obviously, everyone struggles, even writers, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. like. To just be able to transcend where you are and to look a bit deeper and to yeah. find some beauty where you are. Like, I'm not saying just writers can do that, but just it, it's just nice to just have that vision, isn't it? Right? Exactly, yeah, without even really having to leave the location. I mean, obviously, you, you go somewhere in your mind, but you're sort of still within the same, um, you know, within the same area. And that, that's the beauty of it. And I think, I think being able to, um, and I think what makes a great writer, obviously, it's all subjective, but I think what really contributes to it is um, almost being able to go to that place that you kind of described and, yeah. you know, pull the words back down, make a story out of it and just um, I sort of arrange it in a way that really kind of excites people's imagination. Yeah, man. Um, and I think the, the best kind of writers, um, I think they're really good at, um, at doing that. Because, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to get, probably get a bit too philosophical here, but it's, um, I feel like with words, because I think words, to me, I think they're pictures at the end. I think they're pictures, really, because they're just scratchings that people make on a page. And we just, you know, you read them and then, you know, it sort of creates an image. But I think, I think the imagination is super, it's extremely sensitive. And I think all you, yeah, this is why people always say less is more, because all you need is just a few words to point the imagination in yeah. a completely different, you know, direction. That's all, all you really need. So I think... It could um, change your life. Exactly, yeah. And I think really great writers that can bring all of these words together wherever they've got the inspiration from, arrange it in a way and just almost position them extremely, let's just say carefully, so that when a reader, you know, reads the story, you know, the words they've chosen and how many words that are on the page, it's just enough for you to, you know, follow the journey that the journey that the writer's created without it being overwhelming. And it's um that's beautiful. Yeah, so I think that's the mark of a of a really good writer. Just being able to um steer people's imagination. Mm and mm. keep them on that because I think it's difficult yeah. like I said it's almost like if you just it's almost like when you, you tap the um, surface of like a puddle or something you get a who's ripple and I think that's people's imaginations and I think yeah. and I think a really good writer is just good at really good at just controlling that sort of ripple if you want to make it that's a positive yeah. way of looking at it and I love that you're a, a type of creative who doesn't just indulge his own his own creativity and artistic flair but like thinks about the effects and it's like you've got to realise what you're in it for, right? Whether you're in it to cause ripples or control them or whatever. Mm, mm. Or for like people who just are into writing as a hobby, it's not quite the same, is it? They're just wanting to just sharpen yeah. their skills and that's cool as well. Yeah, which is cool, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like a, a kind of mission for them. Whereas yeah, I feel yeah. like if you're born to be a writer, you know it, don't you, right? And Yeah, I feel like you do. I feel like eventually you'll, you'll come to it. I like what you said about people who just have it. Um, for a hobby because I think um, and I think that's important for any kind of art form you're sort of an entertainer that you do I think it's important that you don't feel pressure to have to take it 
no. that seriously that becomes your life's work because I know a few people who literally just create in one way or another because they literally just want to see what they're capable of yeah. and that's it they're not really that concerned about you know putting out you know, sh- sh- you know sharing it with the entire world and having everyone enjoy it they just obviously they might enjoy it you know it's a good feeling when someone you know takes in your work and it resonates that's wonderful wonderful but for them it really is just a you know almost just like a sort of mark of like okay what can I do can I, am I able to create this and, and that's kind of it for them rather than it being you know not uh, everyone's kind of on where I'm, I'm exactly yeah you yeah. know with me it's all about getting as many readers as possible and having people enjoy it and taking them through experiences but like I said for some people it really is just that hobby so they might not look into it as deeply as I did because that's not their yeah yeah of course of course and I feel like you'd get different levels of fanaticism yeah 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 of course you know that's the word between us not that it's a competition you know (laughs) (laughs) who's the most passionate and that's it for another edition of look closer the found fiction podcast Thanks to my special guest, Akeem Balogun, who took us on a creative journey around his neighbourhood in Sheffield. Before we say goodbye, we've got a couple of pieces of found fiction news to tell you about. We were really proud to take its proper art to London. This was our street literature project, which imagined everyday places as works of art. We worked with Akeem, as well as two London-based writers, Joanna Derry-Hall and Alex Pete Tompkinson, to create these faux art gallery displays. The one we displayed at Chelsea Arts Club has been made part of a mural on the front of the building, which is a great honour because it'll be up for at least six months. Another great project we were excited to take part in recently was the East Leeds Gift Exchange. This was a collaboration between Our Space and East Street Arts and ourselves, and we basically coordinated a creative gift exchange for residents of Mabgate, Lincoln Green and Bermontofs in Leeds. The aim here was to connect people across the city through creativity. Each participant was paired with a match and asked to create an artistic or craft-based gift for someone else in the neighbourhood taking part. It was a really great project to be part of, kind of like a lockdown secret Santa, and we're excited to be doing this again with Space 2, and we'll reveal much more about this very soon. Finally, you might remember Street Stories, the project we ran in Quarry Hill in Leeds where we installed super short stories in public spaces. We're now hoping to take this nationwide. We've applied for funding from Historic England to bring Street Stories to three cities across the UK. So fingers crossed we get that funding. We'll let you know if we do in the next podcast. That's all we've got time for this time. Until next time, make sure you stay positive, connected and kind. Thank you for listening to Look Closer, the found fiction podcast.